0: Good morning, hope everybody's doing well, welcome to worship, glad you're here with us. If you would grab your bulletin, we will get started with a few announcements. If you're a guest, please fill out this blue side, put it in the offering plate as it goes by a little bit later in our service, and anything you'd like to know about Mechanicsville Baptist, we'd be glad to follow up with you on that. On the other side is a place for prayer requests, anything you need prayer for, please write that on there, put it in the offering plate as well. And we'll pray on Tuesdays for you. On the back are opportunities for the week. I want to make a mention of a few things. Tonight um, we are having our encounter service right here at five o'clock. And if you're not used to coming to the encounter service, come to the encounter service. We're having our summer preview afterwards. Uh, and what that means is it's an early summer kickoff. We're going to talk about our vacation Bible school. I'm very excited about our vacation Bible school. It's not Chuck Taylor. Part two, I know, I know, you're a little sad, but it's going to be good. So I'm very excited about it. So come out and hear about our Vacation Bible School, our Dominican Republic mission trip. Come out and find out more information about that. And then we're having a local mission week as well as a camp opportunity for the youth. But everybody's invited to come out and hear about these things, and uh, that's going to be at 630. Also going on is youth ensemble handbells, but we're going to stay right here in the sanctuary after the encounter service and have that meeting. It won't take that long. Unless you have lots of questions about why no no why no Chuck Taylor, if, then I'll have to take some time. Uh, this week we have basketball on Monday. We've got staff uh, worship team rehearsal on Tuesday. Midweek Bible study Wednesday. Connect groups Awana youth and uh, midweek Bible study adult choir stewardship team all on Wednesday. So pretty much full full schedule wanted to make mention of one other thing though. We are doing our homeless ministry in downtown Richmond this Saturday. We gave one more week because a lot of people were just from the snow and everything, I think getting things turned in a little bit late and wanted some more time. So we gave everybody another week. So if you still have hats, gloves, socks, or backpacks, bring them tonight, bring them Wednesday, bring them this week, and we're going to go Saturday morning to minister to the homeless. So... Hats, adult men's size hats, gloves, socks, and any backpacks that you may have. Thank you for what you've turned in and we've collected so far. It's going to be a blessing. We're going to give them uh, lunch, a Bible, backpack with these things in it, and spend time visiting with them and ministering to them. So that is this coming Saturday. Tim, anything else? All right, so let's uh, uh, join
1: in worship. Paul? Good morning. It's a great AB in the house of the Lord. Let us stand and sing number 11, All Creatures of Our God and King, and we will sing verses 1, 3, and 5.
2: All Creatures
1: of Our God and King, lift up your voice and let
0: chapter 8, start on verse 12. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if, the spirit, if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry, out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to simply be called your children. We don't deserve it, and we haven't earned that title, but you have adopted us, and you have taken us into your family, and you've cast out our fears and our anxieties by bringing us to your own. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness and your compassion and your mercies for us and how faithful you are at all times. Lord Jesus, we pray for this service. We pray that your Holy Spirit dwell, that you uh, work your peace into our heart, that all of our uh, worries and our doubts and our fears are laid before you as uh, a good God that you are. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us. We thank you that uh, we get to sing, we get to share in your word, and we do pray that everything we do here Gives you honor and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.
3: Some of you may be wondering what is the crew and what are we presenting? The crew is a group of young adults with learning disabilities that meet on Sunday morning during the Sunday school hour to learn about God's love and his plan for us. We talk about ways to problem solve, appropriateness of our actions, and learn ways to tell others about God. One highlight of our year is our annual trip to Eagle Eye for the special needs retreat. The retreat is designed for people ages 13 and older with disabilities of all categories such as autism, intellectual disabilities, physical disabilities, mental and emotional disabilities to name a few. It was created about 45 years ago by by a lady who had a son, an adult son who had a disability and she wanted him to be able to go to a camp where he was feeling included. The retreat starts on Friday nights and concludes with worship on Sunday mornings. This is an opportunity for people to get together and celebrate their different abilities. One of the best parts of the retreat for me is the arrival time, to see the excitement on each of the faces of the group that goes with us, to where they rush in and they see what group that they are in and they are looking for their friends that they've met past years, and just trying to see who their leaders will be. They will now share some experiences that they have at camp each year. So, Kendall, the first night that we're there, what are some of the things that we do that you enjoy the most?
4: Um, the thing I enjoy the most is the worship service. We go, we um, learn songs and interact and make new friends. And the, um, the best part about it is um, the music ministry is leaded by Barry. And we also have another group that is the Bone Slack group that helps a lot. So that's um, a lot of times our favorite place to be on Friday nights.
5: Um, well, what we did is that we have our Bible study meeting every um, every part of the weekend throughout the weekend, and um, it's by age that has the that has like disability levels like us, and just you know just come together as one, and you know just we do we do Bible study, we play games, we do um, group activities, and we just learn to love one another and just be a part of what God wants us to be. On Saturday, we have a talent show that's two hours long and it's for anyone that has abilities just like us and it's for people who play the piano, sing and tell jokes. And I have to say my passion I had at this trip I went to was when I played the piano four years in a row which I played two songs by memory and it just made me the happiest person in the world to be with God who was in my heart looking over me.
3: Okay. So on Saturday evenings, we have a dance and Brittany um, enjoys the dance a lot. It's a chance for them to get together with people with their abilities, and just have a good time.
6: Every Sunday we go, we have a worship service. Always great service with two different pastors each year. The pastors explain scriptures, and they are very funny. usual. We also have, um. Or we also collect offerings, excuse me. Another reason why I like to go is because uh, I like to interact with a lot of friends I meet. They're uh, so sweet, I love them to death.
4: Um, I want to thank Lisa Mason for teaching this Sunday school class for so many years, for supporting them. Um, They deal with a lot of issues, what the scripture says about friendship, love, making choices, all kinds of things. And she is so faithful to them. They love her, and they are faithful to her, too. Um, We all need places and groups where we feel included and special and accepted. And this Sunday school class and this um, weekend at Eagle Eyrie and this church make this group feel accepted and loved and supported and encouraged. Um, Mainly this exceptional group has learned that to be a child of God is to be loved and to live without fear. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid.
5: Joshua 1, 9. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by my name. You are mine. Isaiah 43, 1. There is no fear and love but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. That's 1 John four eighteen. 18. Sick and tired of being sick and tired, had as much tears as I can take I'm so done, so over of being afraid I've gone through the motions I've been back and forth I know that you're thinking You've heard this before I don't know how to say it So I'm just gonna say it, yeah Fear you don't know
1: Let us continue our worship this morning with 535, I am thine, O Lord, and we'll sing all four verses. Please stand and sing with us.
6: come here today to dedicate our tithes and offerings to spreading God's word throughout the world. He has us as his vessels now. We are the ones to bring his word to other people. We are the ones to bring his word across the world. We do this in part with our deeds and in another part with our tithes and offerings. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, bless these tithes and offerings. See your kingdom expand across the world because we know that it needs it. Bring your word and your consolation to new people so that they may feel your love and know the truth of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Amen.
2: shall we pray? Gracious and loving God, we give thanks for the gifts that you give to us, too numerous to name, blessings beyond measure. We're grateful, Father, that as we gather in your house today, we can do so with the full assurance that as we gather here, your spirit is among us, and for this we give thanks. We thank you, Father, that you have called us out to serve you. We're thankful, Father, that as we serve, lives can be transformed. We're thankful for this church, for the work and ministries of this place, for the opportunities of service that are provided each week as we seek to reach out into our community and as we seek, Father, to learn and to grow. Thank you, Father, for each person present today. We all, Father, come from different backgrounds and different places, and yet we come together in this place at this time to worship you. Hear our prayers, the prayers of your people on behalf of those who are ill, for those, Father, who are recuperating or facing surgery. We're grateful, Father, that we serve a God who loves us and cares for us and can provide healing and strength in our infirmities. And Father, for those who have lost loved ones, we know that you are the great comforter. You are the one, Father, who can make a difference in the lives of those who have lost. We're grateful for the power of your word to lift us up. And so I pray, Father, that you will wrap your arms around these who are suffering over the loss of loved ones. Allow hope to spring forth once again. For hope, Father, rest in knowing that Jesus Christ died and rose again so that through him we could have life. We pray, Father, for those who serve us in the armed forces. We pray for their safety as they protect us around the world. We pray, Father, for those who serve as first responders and for those, Father, who are law enforcement in our communities around the country. We pray for their safety as they protect us. We also pray, Father, for our missionaries, for their work here and around the world. Father, what they do makes a difference. And we are grateful, Father, for the message of salvation that rings out through them. As we open your word, Father, we pray that you will allow us to have open minds and open hearts and ears to hear. So that we might grow in our relationship to you for we make this prayer in the name of jesus amen We continue our study through the churches in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, as we look at the church of Smyrna, giving your all for Jesus. And to the angel of the church at Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. In the small town of Fuhas, Jordan, a Baptist church stays busy six days a week with ministries and worship services for refugees who are entering the country each week. The church is made up primarily of Christians from Jordan, but has members from Syria, Egypt, and Iraq. These refugees have fled from personal persecution and regions where warfare is an everyday occurrence. When visiting with them, one family told a harrowing tale of intimidation, persecution, and assassination. The parents in their 60s told how terrorists entered the town and demanded the Christians to renounce their faith or face death. Each day, the soldiers would enter the homes of Christians yelling, screaming, and attempting to assault the women. The couple had two sons, a university professor and a dentist. Their older son left his teaching job one day at the university and was killed when the bomb placed in his car was detonated. The parent's second son fled the region and landed in a borrowed one-bedroom apartment in Fuhas, Jordan. As they spoke through a translator, the mother continually said, But we know that God is good and he will care for us. The story of Christian persecution is not something that is just from ancient history it is a modern reality for many of our brothers and sisters throughout the world. It occurs because of religious terrorism, political persecution, and criminal networks. In the city of Smyrna, the church was facing a level of persecution that you and I hopefully will never experience. But even in the face of pain and death, the Smyrna believers were being called upon to carry on with the gospel ministry. In this message from Christ... He commended them for their strength in the face of adversity and ensured them an eternal reward from their endurance. It is a call that we need today in order to understand persecution and how God is present for us in the midst of it. If you know something painful is about to happen, the natural reaction is to flee or prepare to fight. As Christians, we are to expect the world to hate us and persecute on behalf of our Lord. We can prepare for it and know that Jesus has a reward for those who are faithful during tribulation. You see, unless we understand where the churches are that John was speaking to by the message of Christ in Revelation, we will never understand the rest of the book. Because we have to come to terms with what was going on in the churches to prepare our hearts to receive the message that comes to us later in the revelation. Persecution and suffering for our faith is to be expected. Christians must both anticipate and prepare to remain faithful when trials occur. Because of our faithful Lord, we will receive a reward for our faith. Smyrna competed with Ephesus to be a leading city of the Roman Empire. It was located 35 to 40 miles north of Ephesus and was also, like Ephesus, a port city. Like Ephesus, it had a large population, estimated at around 200,000, and was reportedly a beautiful city. Smyrna was the center of the emperor worship, having won the privilege from the Roman Senate in A.D. 23 over 11 other cities of building the first temple in honor of Tiberius. Into this culture of financial excess and pagan worship, the Christians were receiving a message from their one true Lord. They were up against the culture of the day. Jesus Defined himself in this passage as one who was dead and now is alive. The eternal nature of Jesus means he has authority over us. In this letter Jesus introduced himself as the first and the last. Jesus was asserting two ideas about himself with this phrase, his divinity and his eternal nature. The concepts are intertwined, so we should take them together. The phrase is a claim that he is God. As there are today, there are many religious teachers in the ancient world who claim to be sent by God or to hold some spark of of divinity in themselves. Jesus boldly made this claim because he could back it up. Jesus was present at the beginning of creation. We know what John said about Jesus. In the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know that Jesus was in the beginning. Throughout the book, he showed that he will be present at the end of human history on the earth as we know it. But it is not just a claim associated with the history of the created order that we inhabit. Jesus identified with the nature of God. That is, he is part of the very fabric Of God to be eternal. He had existed from eternity past and will exist to eternity future. There is no time period that exists outside of God. In fact, even time, in whatever way it may be calculated, finds its boundaries and markers in God. That's why these messages sometimes are so difficult for us to understand and hear. Particularly in the book of Revelation. Because our concept of time is different than God's concept of time. And I don't know God's concept of time. I'll tell you that now. Because I have no understanding of what eternity is. And neither do you. We think in terms of this life and the life to come, don't we? We measure years as when we have birthdays every time we take a trip around the sun, right? We understand time in a temporal context. And so we can never understand what Jesus is trying to say about tolerating, allowing suffering in your life to to not destroy you because it's only for a time. The resurrection of Jesus means he has power to to protect us from or assist us through persecution. Jesus can insist on his place as king because he is the one who was dead and came to life. The death of Jesus was not a figurative idea but a real event that had literally taken place through Roman execution. Additionally, he had truly come back to life. The death and resurrection are the key works of Christ's ministry to deliver redemption. Without the death and resurrection of Jesus, there is no authority. Since the atoning death and the physical resurrection of Jesus are true, then we have nothing but hope in the future. As Paul noted, And I like how we can weave the scriptures of the New Testament through the book of Revelation as we look at this. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 at verse 14 and then 17 through 19. And you can read the whole passage, but this is the gist of it. If the resurrection is not true, Paul said, then the whole of Christianity is worthless. But with it, we have the assurance of redemption by Jesus. It is this king who asserted to the church in Smyrna... His authority to speak. The one who was, is now, and ever shall be. The first and the last. The one who redeemed people for all eternity. He goes on to say in verse 9, You were poor and now you thrive. Jesus said, I know your. If you look at that. He starts, I know your. This is a life-altering thought. The fact that he knew something personal about the individual lives of these believers would leave them awestruck. Because the false gods of the ancient times varied between being completely disconnected from their followers to being unpredictable in their care for those followers. And then he goes one step further. Your pain is known to God. The specific issues that Jesus knew about was their affliction and poverty. The affliction they suffered was likely due to the religious pluralism of the day. Religious persecution was a daily reality for those who chose to follow Jesus as their savior rather than serve an array of gods and serve the Roman emperor as Lord. These Christians were facing active rejection in culture because of their faith. You see, the church needed to be and still needs to be counter-culture. But my fear is that the culture of the world in which we live and surrounds us seeps into the church. And it's deadly. It's deadly. Because we should be about the culture of Christ, not the culture of the world. And Jesus said as much to these believers The culture is against you. The world is against you as you know it, but I am with you. I know your pain, your poverty. Is really your wealth, he said, added to the societal rejection. They were financially suffering as well. The cost of following Jesus was both cultural and financial. Apparently, the Christians in Smyrna did not enjoy the benefits of living in a city of great wealth. They were the outcast and lived in the abject poverty of a beggar. But Jesus goes on to say to them, Your persecution will be rectified. In spite of the world's rejection and the financial disadvantages, Jesus declared, but you are rich. The believers in Smyrna might not have owned the world's goods, but they were owned by Christ. They had access to the true king, and he had the ability to provide all of their needs. Once again, we see the connection to some of the Apostle Paul's teachings to the Corinthian church. He wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. The wealth that is given by Christ is not measured as the world measures with shekels or dollars. It is not with houses and land and cattle and business dealings and the like. Rather, we are connected to him who owns all things within creation. We are in a covenant with the God of the universe and are thus rich in spiritual blessings from him. And Jesus himself said that when he left, what was he going to do? He was going to prepare a place for us, wasn't he? And if he prepared a place for us, he would come again and receive us into himself. That where he is, there we may be also. We have the answer. It's always right before us. But our faith is limited in our response. But we have the answer. He said, I am going to make mansions for you. I am preparing a place for you. But then he gives them another warning in verse 10. He says the devil is going to put some of you in prison. He mentions the devil. Jesus encouraged the church in Smyrna by his claim of true divinity. He let them know that they were not forgotten and alone by taking note of the specific persecution they were enduring. He even called to account those who were oppressing the believers. The next step was for the Lord to prepare the Smyrna Christians for what would happen to them next. It began with the encouragement to not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. It must have been an odd experience to have a message from God that guaranteed suffering with a directive to not fear it. You know how difficult that is? How many times did you take your children to get shots at the doctor and tell them not to be afraid? Only when that needle went in the arm... The reaction you got was not one of joy, but one of pain, wasn't it? But he said, be prepared. It's coming. Suffering is inevitable for the Christian. Jesus told us to anticipate suffering. But he also told us that we are blessed. For enduring it. In the Sermon on the Mount he said. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you. And falsely say every kind of evil against you. Because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. When our lives are defined by the life of Jesus. We will suffer. But we will do so. For the only good reason for suffering. You know, you only have one life to give. And who are you willing to give that life for? Jesus gave his life for us. He asked us to do the same if required. Fear is haunting you without any power. There is no need to fear because Jesus is with us and is our source of power. You see, fear paralyzes us. Fear keeps us from doing the things that God would call us to do. Fear puts us in a box and gives us just certain tasks to do that keep us from being afraid. Fear imprisons the soul. But he goes on to say that the devil is testing you, but he's testing you in vain. The manner in which you might suffer is something that most people would want to know until perhaps you actually know it. Isn't that true? You might not want to know how you're going to suffer until you're actually suffering. And then you probably don't want to know. For the Smyrna church, the devil was identified as personally involved in testing them by having some of them thrown into prison. Think of what your own response would be if Jesus told you that the devil was personally coming after you. That would kind of light my candle, wouldn't it yours? The devil is coming after you. Were it not for the Lord's power, any of us would wilt under the, such a message. It's likely that even with the knowledge that the Lord was advocating for us, fear would still try to creep up in our minds. This is likely why Jesus reminded the Smyrna believers of who he is and how rich they were by knowing him and that he held the future. You see, that's the key. It's who holds the future. Your faith is winning you a great reward, he said. So, with sustained persecution on the horizon, the Lord directed the believers in what their reaction should be. But it is a response, the request that asks for the greatest commitment. To be faithful to the point of death requires the greatest reasons. Only Jesus is worthy of such sacrifice. In comparison to the spiritual riches that we inherit through the gospel, the giving of our temporal lives is a paltry cost since we know that we have been given eternal life, then suffering to the point of our physical death becomes a doorway to the eternal home that we have with God. Only Jesus can require such a level of faithfulness. Keep that in mind. Only Jesus is worth suffering that much for. As the Smyrna believers considered the testing they would endure, it was with the knowledge that the true eternal Savior would watch over them and reward them. The magnitude of such faithfulness cannot be underestimated and deserves recognition. For those who are faithful, Jesus will reward the crown of life. When we endure the power of Christ, he puts that faithfulness on display. It is a signal to the other people of God as to the grace-filled rewards that our Lord gives. It is a condemnation to the loss of what they have rejected in Christ. It is a signal of defeat to the devil who has opposed the true king of glory. And didn't Paul tell us the same thing about this crown when he said in Tim- to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me, but not only to me, but all to to love his appearing. Can't you see what Paul saw? It's the same thing that John was talking about, wasn't it? Paul understood it. He understood who held the future because his life had been conformed to Christ. In verse 11, he says, you who are persecuted will conquer. In spite of the persecution, life is assured to those who have faith. Jesus again reiterated to this church as he did to them all that they should listen and follow the message given to them by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit should speak. He left them with a further encouragement beyond the crown of life. With this last sentence, the conquering life of the believer is declared to never be harmed by the second death. In light of Jesus' resurrection, hell can never harm you. The second death is mentioned twice in Revelation 20. In verse 6, John reiterated that the second death has no power over those of faith. In verse 14, the second death is described as the lake of fire. It is where Jesus cast death and Hades for their eternal destruction along with anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life. The fear of eternal damnation was removed for the believers of Smyrna. But it was based on being a conqueror. And remember what else Paul said to the Roman church? For we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Didn't Paul get it? And don't we see how beautiful that is when we get to Revelation and we read about these churches and what was limiting them? As we have seen in these letters to the churches and taught throughout the New Testament, the conqueror status of the Christian comes not by their work, but by Christ's work. It's what Christ does, not what we do. He has made Christians to be conquerors and they will not share in the condemnation that will be experienced in eternity. The church will suffer for her faithfulness to Christ. It was the reality for the first century believers throughout the world and especially in places like Smyrna. It is a reality that has persisted through human history. The world hates Christians because we claim another king whom the world rejects. In the world today, many Christians suffer because they will not recant their faith in Jesus. Suffering is to be expected when we serve Jesus. But when we suffer, we can endure with hope. The message to Smyrna is proof from Jesus that there is a glorious end in sight. If we can live with eternity in mind, then no amount of imprisonment, affliction, and not even death can intimidate us. We live for Christ and we will die for Christ. He has our heart and we trust him with every outcome of life. The Christians in Smyrna suffered, but they were faithful. May we do the same. At my aunt's funeral on Wednesday at the conclusion of the service in the cemetery, a woman came up to me and she said, I've heard about you all of your life and I've never introduced myself to you. I'm 89 years old and I'm not going to wait any longer because I might not get another chance. How appropriate in the cemetery. So we talked for a few minutes and then we went our separate way. And all I could think about was, here is a lady who understands. Do what you need to do when you have opportunity to do it. Because you never know, do you, when you'll get another chance. Jesus said to the church at Smyrna, you may suffer and you may die. But your hope is not in the suffering and death in this life but in the eternal life to come that I have secured for you through the resurrection and through eternity. Is that the kind of hope that you have? Shall we pray? Oh gracious Lord, we thank you. For the church at Smyrna. For it shows us, Father, who we are. As we belong to you. We have been bought with a price, Father. And that price was your death. And we have been given life through the resurrection. Help us, Father, to listen to the words from these churches, as Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, listen. What is the Lord saying to you? In the name of Jesus, amen. Our invitation hymn is number 544, Have Thine Own Way. If we allow the Lord to have his way in our lives, then we will understand the hope that rests in knowing him. The invitation is open to anyone who would come to Christ as we stand and sing hymn number 544. Thank you for making this service a part of your day and thank you crew class. They stayed for a double dose. I'm impressed. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming and being a part of this service and Lisa for leading this group and uh, sharing their your ministry and their ministry with us today. Uh, I'm grateful that uh, you're here. Paul is back with us today from Disney World, should I say. Um I have to say this. I said this to him the other day. Uh, I watch the Channel 12 News in the morning, and they always do a segment at the end called One Good Thing, if you watch that. Well, one day last week, the One Good Thing was the Atley High School band in Disney World, if you saw that. So, uh, anyway, we were glad for that. Yeah. So we're grateful for that. Don't forget about the evening activities and the summer preview, uh, primarily for youth, but anyone's invited to come, right, Dwight? So uh, if you'd like to come and hear what's going on for the summer, you know, we are planning another trip to Nicholsville. It'll be the same week we went this past year, but that's not until November, and we hadn't made it till February yet, so we'll talk about that a little later on. The Bible school dates are, we can announce them, August 4th through 8th. So those are the dates for Bible school. That's a Sunday through a Thursday, August 4th through 8th. And you'll be hearing more about that uh, as we make preparation. I know Dwight will be looking for all kinds of help. So uh, keep that in mind. Let's bow for benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart on a day that you have given to us, we are thankful for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love. May we, Father, leave this place knowing that you were persecuted first. And because of your death and your resurrection, you have life. As we leave today, keep us ever mindful of your grace. In the name of Jesus, amen.